Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. season of Advent, our reading for the day, and I want you to grab a Bible. Many of you may or may not have a real one in front of you, but if you have a phone or a tablet available, I want you to turn to the book of Mark. This is the gospel reading for today. Now, I I don't always like to read him at Christmas time, because he doesn't tell the warm and fuzzy stories. He doesn't give us the narrative of Jesus' birth that we get in Luke or Matthew. He cuts the chase. And if you know anything about the Gospel of Mark, it's the shortest gospel. So literally, you can read this in under an hour. You can get through the 16 chapters of Mark really quickly. And some scholars would say that Mark actually has the truest form of what was presented in those early gospel writings because it's the shortest. Many historical critics will say it's not the person who has the most amount of words that you pay attention to. Sometimes it's the one that has the least amount of words that you pay attention to. And so when Mark tells his story of the gospel, he begins in a way that doesn't put us in Bethlehem. There's no manger scene. There's nobody riding on a donkey that's pregnant, not having anything to do with Caesar Augustus causing a census when Quirinius was governor of Syria, all the things that we've heard. We know those stories from Luke and Matthew, but when Ma- Mark talks, we are hit with a different version of the story, or at least a, a different starting place. So Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first eight verses. So if you got it with me, turn with me. Here we go at. The beginning of the good news about, the Jesus, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey. Please do not miss the details here. A guy wearing camel hair, and he's eating locusts and honey. I'm not sure what you had for breakfast, but my guess is it wasn't any of that. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's familiar territory, but that's the gospel reading for today. These first eight verses where we get established the setting of the day, and Mark, when he begins his gospel, goes right for it. And Jesus is not a baby. He's not in a manger in Bethlehem, and it's different. Because there's bad news from the capital. Because there's an imposter who says, that he's in charge. He's the president, the king, the emperor, what have you. And people would say, oh, he's, he's a fraud. There's no possible way that he could be the one who's going to be in charge because haven't you seen what's been happening for the last few years? This is the Jewish war against the Roman occupation in the years 66 to 70 AD. And it's hard for us sometimes 
to understand the historical setting of the day when Mark is writing because we like the warm and fuzzy moments from Scripture and we don't fully get what's happening in the storyline. So during this civil war, Emperor Nero has died. We know about Emperor Nero. Sometimes he's the one who lights everybody on fire, the Christians who opposed his rule. He's also the guy that, as Rome burned, is caught up, according to legend, up on the roof fiddling, right? As Nero fiddled, Rome burned. This is the storyline of the day. After Nero, there are four emperors who vie for control of the entire Roman Empire. Now, can you imagine trying to take charge of something so large and so vast? The most powerful empire in the known world at the time, in that first century context, doesn't have its ruler. And four people are trying to become the next emperor. And each of them, in successive moments, are named emperor, but each are assassinated. This is the setting of Mark chapter 1. And finally, after these four guys are assassinated, we get a guy named Vespasian, who's the common, he's like the famous general for the Roman Empire, that is even the one who marches into Jerusalem trying to squash the rebellion of these pesky Jews who dare speak against the power of Rome, who dare speak against the Pax Romana, this piece of Rome that has been around for decades, that the emperors have always said, Oh, if you are a Roman citizen, come experience the peace of Rome. Mind you, the only way that that peace happens is by bloodshed and death and torture and threats. But there is this group of people who are saying to themselves, that's not the story that we should be paying attention to. And so right around this season, in the late 60s of that first century, 66 to 70 is the rough dates of all of that historical context that I just dropped you into. We've got Vespasian, who is now being named emperor, finally after the four people who have come and gone in the wake of Nero. And the Jews who are in Jerusalem are trying to make sense of it. And the people who call themselves Christians or followers of the way are considering how is it that they remind the world that they are in of good news. And so if you were to come across one of those followers of the way, these, these Jesus people, there would be a sense that some of them would say, oh, you think things are bad now? You want good news? Read this scroll. Right, haven't we done that before? We've done it lately. We've done it either, hey, you've had a bad year, you should read this. Oh, you've had a tough time? Read this post of my friend on Facebook because it puts it all in perspective. And sometimes posts on Facebook are good. Sometimes posts on Facebook aren't all that helpful. But there's this moment where the early Christians in that first century context would have said, hey, read this scroll by this guy named Mark, who has the story of a different king. And even in the first verse, oh, you got to go back to it. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. If we stop right there, Mark is making a claim that is out of this world. He's saying that this Jesus... This person who was born in Bethlehem, who died in the 30s A.D., who rose again from the grave, who beat death, almost 40 years later is when Mark is telling this story. 
And he's reminding the people that this Jesus is the Messiah. And the Messiah is not just his last name. Like when we meet John, we assume John's last name is the Baptist. Or when you meet your friend Sean, you assume his name is Jackson. Things like that, right? Not so for Jesus. When we meet Jesus the Messiah, this is not his last name. It is a phrase of anointing, meaning the anointed one, ultimately meaning the Savior. But then he has something to say that would have caught him either in prison or potentially on death row. He says this phrase, ah, Jesus, the son of God, because that's what every Roman emperor called themselves. It was put on every coin that was minted from the Roman empire. If you were going to be Caesar, if you were going to be the emperor, you had to proclaim that you were legitimate and you were powerful. And you would say things like, well, I'm the son of God. I'm here, guys. And then Mark, when he writes his gospel, says, actually, do you want to meet the real son of God? Let me tell you a story about him. But I'm not going to start in Bethlehem. I'm going to start right at the gates with a guy named John the Baptist who looks, at, who looks crazy and acts crazy. My son turned 12 this week, got some cool gifts. One of the coolest gifts he got this week that he got to take home and play with is an original from the late 80s a Nintendo Entertainment System, the one with the cartridge that last night, when we couldn't get it to work, my wife pulled it out and blew on it. That's a real game, my friends. Not some game you have to download from the internet. You get the cartridge out and you blow on that thing to get the dust out. You pop it back in, chop it down, push the power on, and boom, Mario Brothers comes on. When I see that cartridge, I am taken back in time. When John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he has camel hair and he is eating locusts and honey that's like seeing the original nintendo game you're like wait a second i remember a guy who used to dress like that and act like that and it's a guy named elijah so all that mark is doing is telling a story about a guy named john the baptist who is preparing the way for jesus so he doesn't begin in bethlehem he begins with someone who's setting the stage for jesus to come and when john shows up he is out in the desert like a crazy man so crazy that there are people coming from all of the valley. The G entire Judean area would have said, have you heard about the crazy guy out in the desert? He's doing some wacky things. And when they would go find him in the desert, John is saying, would you repent of your sins? Repent of your ways, which ultimately means you have been following your way. Turn. And would you posture yourselves differently with a hope that comes from this God of the universe who is telling a different story. And we get this quote from the Old Testament right off the beginning right here in Mark chapter 1, where he is quoting Isaiah. He even quotes Malachi. So he's done his homework. He knows what's happening. And he says this phrase. He's preparing the way, and he's making the paths straight. I am struck by that phrase this morning. Because you and I do this. My kids know what this is like. Preparing the way and making the path straight is something that we do in our home when people come over unexpectedly. When they call or text and they say, we'll be by in five minutes, you would be amazed at how quickly our house gets cleaned in five minutes because there are people coming over. I don't know if your house is messy like ours. Probably we beat you. But we put our kids and all of us in high gear and we are going to clean that place and make it ready for who's coming over. This is making the path straight. This is 
What would happen when the emperor or the general came to town? You would go out and you would clean and clear the brush or the rocks that were in the path that had been trodden into your local town. You would clean things out so that when that person comes, they have a way to walk in. And so when John is in the business, we are told of making the path straight and preparing the way for Jesus, this one that we have been waiting for, we get a sense that he is helping people realize that the storyline of the day is not the storyline to stay focused in. And I think that's good news for 2020. It's been a hard week. Man, it's been a hard year. Some of us have even heard things this week that have spent us into motions of depression because we have seen things, we have heard things, we have heard decrees from on high that say, you can't do this, you can only do this. And we got to make sense of that in our world, but as a group of believers, even in an outdoor setting or in an online setting, we get to say to one another, there's a different story going on. You and I, as followers of the king, get a chance to prepare the way all the time. So when people speak words of truth, may we be the ones who also speak truth, but also add in a touch of mercy, which actually this week, if you were to read the psalm reading from the lectionary, it couples those two words, the idea of mercy and truth. Sometimes people just want to drop the truth and leave the mercy at bay. But for followers of the king, we bring both. And then the psalm also talks about this idea that when we speak words of righteousness, we also bring words of peace. Because sometimes people can be righteous or self-righteous, or they can drop their truth left and right, but they forget the concept of peace. And if this is our second Sunday of Advent, where we would position ourselves in an attitude of peace, recognizing how God has changed this world, we would also remember that God is inviting us to bring words of righteousness with peace and words of truth with mercy. How is it that you and I get a chance to make the path straight for God? It's because you and I get a chance to tell a different story. We can either fall victim, fall spiraling into the storyline of our culture saying it's all bad news, it's all bad news. But let us perhaps Lift our gaze differently this season. Focus on a baby who was born a long time ago, but we have the same expectancy that God is going to fix this. That is what holds us on a day like today. So when you leave this place, wherever you parked, however you're going home, whether you walked or you came, whether you're joining us online, there is going to come a moment this week where someone wants to drop truth and righteousness. And the question of the day for you and for me is, will we be the ones who add mercy and we add peace? May we be, be bringers of mercy and peace this week. Change the scorecard of how every conversation is rated for you this week by how you bring peace and mercy. And may we have an eye to see what God is up to. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to have the worship team come back. After I pray, I'm going to ask you to, ask you to stand. We're going to sing a chorus together, and that's it for our day-to-day. -day. Hopefully it's a shot in the arm. It's a recentering of your week in this Advent season that no matter where you are heading this week, you go with the knowledge that Jesus 
not just came so long ago, but he's coming again. And that he's in the business of peace and mercy. May we, may we be followers of the king as sons and daughters of the king. May we bring that peace and that mercy. Lord, would you go before us? But also, God, would we also have the confidence and the courage to make the paths straight, to prepare the way for a world that doesn't know you, that needs to know you. Not needs to know you like we need to take our vegetables or eat our vegetables, but needs to know you because you're the one who brings the peace that we so desire. The world we live in right now is anxious. It is palpable. People feel it. We we speak out, and sometimes our words aren't all that well-received because we don't know what to do with what's going on right now. We're so frustrated. But God, I pray that you bring the peace that we so need and the peace and the hope that we so desire. Would you walk with us and help us to reframe our attention this Christmas season as we consider an Advent perspective that you have come and you are coming again. And that is good news. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.